A, re a reading from Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. The proclamation of John the Baptist. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the, given, for, for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the witness of God's people. Thanks be to God. Would you please take a moment and help me thank our amazing cast of characters who are so animated, and Jean-Anne and Trish. <laughs> including the sheep, including the sheep, absolutely. Bah, you are not alone. God is with you. So important. And thank you, Jean-Anne and Trish, our directors, our producers, our wranglers, our costume finders, and... Uh, you notice this year we cast a married, Mary and Joseph. Beautiful. We have some presents around the altar, stacked up high, so hopefully you can see them wherever you are in the sanctuary, because our Advent series this year is called The Gift of Being Present. We're in week two of Advent, the gift of being present to peace. I'm going to name it. It seems strange. It's really uncomfortable and perhaps even inappropriate to be speaking this week of Advent on peace when we know very well the very area where John the Baptist was baptizing people, the West Bank in the Middle East, in the Jordan River, where the Gospels took place, is at war as we speak. And yet, maybe it's the perfect time to be speaking about peace because we're so hyper-aware and desperate for it. And so were the people in Jesus' time living under the Roman Empire. Not so unlike today. They lived under competing regimes, were just trying to survive, protect their families. Hope? No. There was no hope. Peace? Well, sure, the Roman Empire offered a form of peace, but it wasn't peace for everybody. And it certainly came at a great cost to the majority 
who were poor and just trying to get by day by day. With that context in mind, what a strange way Mark opens the gospel today. What a weird story, really. I mean, Matthew opens his gospel with the genealogy that leads to Jesus, quickly followed by the Christmas story we love and look forward to and have come to expect. It's Christmas, for goodness sakes. Come on. Luke opens his gospel with the history of John the Baptist, which leads to the angel and the Mary and Elizabeth visit. Again, parts of the Christmas story we know, we love, we look forward to, we expect in church at this time of year. And John opens his with the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Powerful, inspiring, hope and joy and love and peace filled words indeed. John quickly introduces us to John the Baptist as the forerunner preparing the way for Jesus. And then John quickly skips on to Jesus' baptism. Skips all over the birth narrative and all the the touchy-feely stuff we love at this time of year and goes right to John baptizing Jesus in the Jordan. But Mark has a different approach. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ starts with someone else. In fact, from this point in the chronological time of John the Baptist that we read in Mark 1 today, Jesus the Messiah is still a future prospect. The story seems to be spiraling us through the past the present and the future, it's just as Advent should be, really. The good news of the gospel with Mark begins with a throwback to the words of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. The passage is divided into three distinct sections, verses 1 and 3. What the audience is about to hear is indeed good news. The first century audience of Jesus' followers could certainly use good news as they struggled to even survive. Over the past month, I've done a number of teachings in the sermon on the Roman Empire and the conditions at the time of the Gospels we read. I've taught you how this is political language that we read in the Gospels, speaking of Jesus in contrast to the emperor, but using the same terms the people of the day would be all too familiar with. Verse 1 reflects that historical setting of the gospel as a cries of joyful tidings and good news. The word for good news in the Bible is euangelion, E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. It almost looks like the word evangelize. It's the same term they used in the Roman Empire in 9 BCE, before the Common Era, announcing the birth of Emperor Augustus. The birth of Emperor Augustus was euangelion, good news. 
And the same term was used when the emperor wanted to promote military victories had been won. This is good news. Our Roman Empire, our cities are fortified. They're getting stronger and safer for all of you. Isn't that great? Sort of, kind of. The gospel, as we've talked about recently at South Arm, takes that terminology and subversively uses it for Jesus. It's political language. Make no mistake about it. That's how it was written. That's how it was heard. Political language. Good news, son of God. These are terms that were used under the emperor, under the empire, and we are using them for Jesus. With echoes of language and imagery from the Jewish scriptures, verses 2 and 3, Back to the Old Testament, to the prophets. What the author of Mark has done is to blend some prophecies for us of Isaiah, of Malachi, and even of the Exodus in order to set the stage for the first character, John the Baptist. People come from the whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem, the endorsement is followed by a description of John's clothing. Strange indeed. A camel tunic, a leather belt, sandals out there by himself in the wilderness, baptizing people, eating only locusts and honey. Who is this strange guy out there with different clothes than we all wear, with a special diet that we wouldn't even imagine? Well, it brings up imagery from the Old Testament of Elijah in 2 Kings. And John the Baptist's message, turn around, change your ways. Repentance is the gospel, the biblical word. It means to turn in a different direction. One coming after John the Baptist is much greater than even John is. Strange as the scene may seem. Verses 7 to 8 quickly move us away from John the Baptist and bring our attention to the real matter, the real good news, Jesus. The next verses after this, if we were to continue reading the passage, John the Baptist's narrative is cut off and we go straight into the good Jesus stuff. The major role of John in Mark's gospel is to herald the good news, the evangelion of Jesus. One final verse today, verse 8, serves as a transitional statement between the section on John and the section that comes next on Jesus. John fades into the background quickly so the attention can be on the real one it needs to be on. Just as Isaiah declared God's coming in deliverance, comforting those who sought salvation, so too Mark speaks to those in the first century who are concerned about the delay of Jesus' reign. So, I had an English teacher, grade 13, in Ontario who used to say, so what? What does all of that mean? So what? So while we see a holy land today at war, know that this is nothing new. 
This is part of the history and the life of that very region of the Gospels. Know that the language of Jesus as Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, priest and prophet and king and Messiah, offered an alternative, a hopeful, peaceful, just picture to a people under a scary world empire. Peace, not from an emperor, not from the Roman Empire, claiming to be small g God, but from big G God self for all the people for all time, real lasting peace from the source of peace. Hear the advent. Jesus is coming with promises of hope and peace and joy and love afresh today. Please don't be tempted to take that lightly and just to sit in what you already know about the Advent season. Oh, sure, hope, peace, joy, and love. We know we do this every December. No. Hear it fresh today where things in the Middle East are all upside down, where there is war and turmoil and it's scary and regimes are competing for that territory just as they were in the Bible. Put yourself in that fresh. Don't be complacent about these words. This is a time where we desperately, desperately need the promises and the embodiment of hope and peace and joy and, of course, love. May it be so.